We are in a season of, of seeking God's leading as a church. We have our vision committee, and, and we've been meeting regularly, including this coming Tuesday, and we are encouraged and feeling directed and in the work of discerning who is God calling us to focus our ministry on. As a church, all together we're participating in this. I, I, I can encourage you to continue praying for the vision team and praying for all of us as we pursue that vision together. I, I, my, white, my watch is still going off at 6.35 every day, no matter where I am. Uh, last week I was in a theater and watching fireworks and I mean all sorts of things. But every time it, it reminds me uh, that we're called to pray, called to call out to God for his direction, his leading, so that we could discern where he is calling us and who he is calling us to focus our ministry on. And I, I continue to invite you also to communicate with the vision team members as we pursue God's leading together. Looking at the, and we've also finally been looking at the big picture of God's call to his church through the messages of the past season. We're in a series, we've been in a series of sermons on, on church vitality, on, on revitalization, on God's renewing spirit by his word in, in the church. And I began this series by referencing Rick Warren's admonition from scripture. He says, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission make a great church. Remember that? And we began the series looking at what a great commitment might look like when we looked at Nehemiah and the parts of his re revitalizing the, the people of Israel as they came back out of, uh, out of exile in Babylon and, and came back to their promised land. And, and we saw uh, prayer and, and scripture and, and, and a look at the cost of commitment and missional multiplication and worship and caring and service, all a part of that effort of coming back into Israel. All these things are part of the commitment we make as a church. But then we got to ask, to what end? And two weeks ago, we looked at, at one of the key passages of all this the great commandment, love the Lord your God and love your neighbors. That's, that's the heart of what God is calling us to, each one of us and all of us. This week, we look at the primary way to love our neighbors, and it's the Great Commission. So we, uh, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. It's the very end of the Gospel of Matthew the last verses where the, the risen Christ appears once again to his disciples. Listen to the word of God. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when, he, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we consider your, your great commission, your directions to us, your mission statement for us. God, guide us, guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we spend just a few moments focusing on it, on your word. We love you, Lord. Guide us now, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Along with the great commandment, this, this great commission is familiar to most of us who have been around the church for a while. As a matter of fact, these are the, the kind of words that we should have ingrained in us. They should be ringing in our ears. We should have dreams about these words, and, and we should be able to see these words working out in our lives. For most of us very practical Americans, we hear these commands, go, make disciples, baptizing, teaching, and we are action people and, and we, just, we just want to be told what to do. And, and in that regard, this is a very fulfilling passage for us but also challenging and a little bit confusing as well because each one of these commands is, is worthy of whole sermons and books and dissertations and lifetimes of work, each, each one of them. But the key, honestly, the key to understanding this passage, though, is the other parts that sandwich the commands, the parts about God, not about us. All authority is given to Jesus, and he is always with us. There's another quality of Jesus that's assumed by this part of the story in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the Jesus who loves us and saves us and has our best interest at heart. And he is here with all that love, all that power, and presence. This is the one whom we seek to follow. We ourselves, who, those who he's talking to and those who are reading this now, we are his disciples. So let's do a, a quick overview and think about what this means to us now. Let's go through these parts. Begin, let's begin with make disciples. Make disciples. He tells his disciples to make disciples. Grammatically in this passage, this is the only command. It is the centerpiece of the passage. Everything else is a participle modifying this, this word, to make disciples. A disciple, very simply, is a devoted follower. The one whom the disciple follows has the authority over the disciple, and the, and the discipler 
informs and leads and provides for the follower. And the act of seeking God for our vision and vitality is, is all that we're really doing is it's an act of discipleship. That's what we're doing as a church. It's actively seeking to follow God's leading. It's, it's hard to think of, a, of an equivalent relationship in our world. But being mentored to someone in, very formally, not because it's a job for which we are motivated by money, but because we have sought intentionally for that person to mold us, shape us, and direct us. We want that relationship. And we intentionally follow someone as their disciple so that we can become like them. Dallas Willard writes, a disciple is a learner, a student, an apprentice, a practitioner, even if only a beginner. Ultimately, it's what loving God and loving Jesus looks like in action. To be his disciple, last week we looked at the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is following, it's devotion and submission and learning from and being directed by, dependent upon, formed by. Those are being a disciple of. So this command, make disciples. Wow. It, it, it's introducing to faith. It's, it's offering a relationship. We're not making disciples to ourselves. We're making disciples of Jesus. Not forcing people into this as make might sound, but attracting and reasoning and encouraging people to see the truth and the benefit of following Jesus. I love how John puts it at the beginning of John, Jesus puts it at the beginning, to lift up Jesus, to lift him up so people can see him, to see his love and his salvation, and knowing ultimately God is working in people's hearts and lives to come to a saving faith in him. And, and we are being invited to be part of the means of use, of, of part of that process of people being able to see Jesus. And, and just as God is working in their lives to receive him, he, he works in us and through us as we share our faith. But we need to be thoughtful about the words here. This is an offer not just to believe that there's a God so that you can go to heaven when you die. This is an offer to be a follower of Jesus, to come into a relationship with him as a disciple. In that regard, to make disciples is not merely to introduce people to Jesus, but also to nurture them in in their relationship with him. That same Dallas Willard has written a book that he named The Great Omission. Just took the C off, commission. The Great Omission because he sees our understanding of the Great Commission to, too often being only to convert people and then nothing. Uh, rather, 
We are introducing people to Jesus and then following him together the rest of our lives. That's what it means to be a part of a, of a church, of a body of Christ. Not simply escorting someone into the relationship with Jesus, but encouraging them all along the rest of the way. It's not enough churches, it's not enough for churches to only be about evangelism. Evangelism must be a primary purpose of the church. And we talked about this last week. We're not always so good at it. As a matter of fact, a, a study says that we're not, we don't do evangelism that much. And the study found out it's not because we're scared. We're scared to tell people about Jesus. We just don't even really know how. So last week, we, we talked about one tool of how to share Jesus. And we must be about evangelism. But we also must have a plan and a purpose to then grow together, to grow in Christ together. And this is no one-size-fits-all program for every church. Every church, every person has a, a different story in our maturity in Christ, in becoming like Jesus. That's the way relationships work, relationships with each other and in, in each of our relationships with Jesus. Making disciples is the key command of this passage. All the others are simply key ingredients to making disciples. The very first one is go. Go. I used to think when I was young that this meant always go somewhere else. And when I was young, a young Christian in high school, I read a book named Bruchko. Maybe some of you read this book. It was a crazy book. It was about a 19-year-old who has a dramatic conversion experience and then naively and enthusiastically runs off to the woods between Colombia and Venezuela and in the Amazon by himself without telling anyone. And the story deals with uh, abduction and illness and starvation and being desperately lost and running into violent tribal groups. All the while, God is dramatically with him. And so when I was, used, was young, I used to think going meant far away, something like Bruchko. At General Assembly, we heard over and over again that there are three billion people around the world who live in circumstances where they're not going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reality is, I, I, you know, honestly, I believe that there are more than that in an increasingly secular West who are going to drive by churches all their lives and also never hear the gospel faithfully shared. I've come to believe that this passage means that we go wherever God is leading us. Whether it is unexplored Amazon or to your neighbors and to your families. I'm told Pastor Mark Toon, who's up at Gig Harbor, is fond of saying, have your head on a swivel for every opportunity. And every opportunity 
to make disciples. But what go means ultimately is that we're all missionaries. Every one of us, each of us is called to go. It means less of having to go to the other side of the planet, although that will be a call for some and all of us have a part of that in one way or another. But for all of us, it means intentionally being led by God to the places where he provides opportunities to participate and encourage making disciples. He gives us all those chances, including to lead people to Christ simply by sharing your faith and trust in him. Particularly now in a world where faith and trust are more and more rare commodities. Each one of us is called to go. And we each have our particular mission field. We have a mission field together as a church as well. And a part of the purpose of our church's shared mission is that by doing missions together, we equip each other for missions wherever each one of us is called. We, we teach each other to do missions. We disciple each other to make disciples of others. And the work of the vision team is simply to discern, to discern who God is calling us to focus our church ministry on, to, to intentionally serve and have at least a part in discipling. Let me say something about the challenge we face as a church right now where we are. Even before I came last September, I heard often about the diverse nature of the Kent and Renton community, about all the ethnic groups and languages. When it says go to all nations, nations means every ethnic group, not, not simply nations with borders. It means all the groups of the world. We have so many of those ethnic groups and languages in, right in the schools nearest to the church. And, and my first thought was, how do we do ministry to, to that kind of diversity right here? How do you serve everyone around the world just in this neighborhood? Because so many of them are here. And the reality is, we can't serve everybody, and we're not meant to as a congregation, but who is God calling us to focus our ministry on? To whom are we called to go together? This is what happens when you don't focus your ministry on whom God is calling you to go. We just focus on ourselves and how to best serve our own best interests and needs, and we don't go anywhere. But when we have the vision of who God is calling us to go to and equipping us to reach, everything comes into line. You end up knowing why you make each decision as a church. What kind of music do we have? How do we dress on Sunday morning? All the simplest and all the grandest decisions. When the vision for ministry is clear to everyone, and we're all in on it together. It's, a, it's an exciting way to be a part of a church. 
Here's another part of making disciples. Baptizing and teaching. These are, are bringing people to that place of initiation in their faith and to the ongoing nurture of it. Baptizing is the entry point of the relationship with Jesus, signifying being washed clean by his blood, dying with Christ and being raised to new life with him and beginning a new life as his disciple. A new day. And then teaching to obey everything I've commanded you. Before you think of this as a laundry list of every commandment in the Bible, remember last week's message, the message on the great commandment? All, in the, law, all the law and the prophets come down to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors as yourself. Everybody. Let's just, let's just teach and focus on that. And, and if the heart of love for God is there, the desire for the rest of it will be also. Because you'll love his word and love to follow him. That's the life of the disciple. The disciple, that, that, that life that God, Christ has given us and that we live for Christ and that we live for others, for everyone. But now, let's go back to the beginning, because I know this. We just want to be told what to do so that we can go do it. We just, we just want our marching orders to go make disciples. Make, make us some disciples we're going to go do. It's as if we hear the beginning of this passage a little bit wrong. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and it's like we think me means me. I've been given the power to do this. But honestly, nothing is going to burn you out faster in ministry and missions than leaving God behind. Jesus is the one who has the authority. And he is with us. And so we join him as he reaches out to the world and to people's hearts and lives. We follow him as his disciples wherever he leads us, and he will always be with us, and often working through us. We heard it over and over again at General Assembly a couple of weeks ago. Disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. We'll start by just being his disciples, followers, in love with Jesus, and then this command to make disciples, it's going to be a natural outflow of our love for God as we share that love with others. And when it's working, when, when you've followed God somewhere and he's given you an opportunity to share your faith, in fear and in trembling, you may perceive that holy moment and you'll recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in your conversation, the presence of God, and, and the work in hearts, not just the heart of someone who's hearing and receiving the good news, but you'll recognize the work of God in you. This great commission 
This is the great adventure for all of our lives as we do it together, equipping and modeling each other to to fulfill this call. And as we pursue it in each one of our lives, as God has us go, go to our schools, our families, our, our workplaces, to Kent and Renton, to Seattle and Washington, and to Somalia and New Guinea, and to the ends of the earth. Now I'm stepping a little bit into next week's sermon, so I'm going to leave it there. But we have this commission. We have our mission statement. Go, make disciples, baptizing and teaching. Let's pray. Lord, you've given us our mission statement. You've given us the to-dos. God, forgive us where we've simply been too afraid, feeling too unequipped. Help us to know that it's not about that. You have the authority, and you are with us. God, work through us as we follow you, as we seek to be your disciples. And then, Lord, give us the opportunity and the equipping, the means of your spirit working to make disciples. Lord, these are our marching orders. May they be imprinted in our hearts and be the great adventure of all of our lives. Thank you for your word, your call, and your presence. We love you, Lord. We pray this in the blessed name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.